We are back with another exciting episode of Rhythms of Grace, Season 5. Sung, why don't you tell us what we're in the midst of? So, we are doing a series called Out of the Ashes this season. And it's actually a teaching series we did at Grace uh, just this past Lent. And we did it actually last year, Lent, going through the book of Job. And he just walks through this whole fire of suffering. And Mm -hmm. we've learned lessons through his life. And so we thought, you know, after Easter, after we celebrate the resurrection, there are so many stories uh, of people we all know that that have walked through the fire of suffering. And because of the power of Christ's resurrection in their lives, they have risen out of the ashes themselves Mm -hmm. too. Not because of their own strength or willpower or their own ability. And so we just want to make this season a time where people can share their stories and hopefully it encourages or challenges uh, our listeners. And um, and today we have another special guest, nice. Nicole Dean. Nicole, welcome. Thank you. Don't you get right up on the microphone there when you... That's good. Yeah. There you go. So, Nicole, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where, like where you're from, wh- what you do, just a, a little quick snapshot of you. I grew up here. I went to Central Connecticut State University for my undergrad. I played volleyball and was recruited to go play out there on scholarship. Um, after that, I moved up to Bar Harbor, Maine and was there for a little while and then ended up back in Michigan. So wow. All over the place. Yep. I've been in Ann Arbor since 2019 and my parents are about an hour and a half away. Oh, that's okay. fun. So, mm-hmm. Awesome. So Nicole, like uh, we we don't I I know some of the larger landscape of your story, but mm-hmm. like it's it's going to be really exciting to kind of walk through the some of the valleys and some of the peaks yeah. of your story. But like, uh, tell us about your story of walking through the fire and kind of you know rising out of the ashes. Yeah. So for a little bit of background, um, in playing volleyball. I, you know, when you're training at an elite level, you know your body really well Mm -hmm. and you're using it as a machine. And um, so that's just a little bit of background going into my physical health issues that I later encountered. So after graduating, I moved up to Bar Harbor in June of 2018 and started um, working at a lab there. I'm a scientist and currently work at, at U of M, but um, when I moved up there, I started having some pain in my leg, and I kept telling my mom, like, oh, I need to go to the doctor, but I was in a new place and, you know, had to find a new doctor, those kind of things, and so I just hadn't um, done that, put it off for a little while. So I was working and um, just kept having this pain. It was like a nerve pain, and then in my calf, in my leg, it started spreading. Um, so I was, you know, trying to stretch and work out and do the things I might've normally done if I thought it was a sports injury and, um, none of that was helping. And so I, I don't know, I was like, okay, this is weird. I go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, I kind of, I think I get, I got typed as like, you're young, you're healthy. Um, and so I wasn't quite taken seriously at first. But as things started to kind of progress um, into nerve pain and not being able to function very well, I, um, yeah, so the first diagnostic test was an x-ray of my back, and that came back totally clear. And um, I found that out. I went to the emergency room at one point because I was in so much pain. Um, I was working full-time. you know, trying to just keep my life afloat and had that back x-ray, went in, uh, that 
weekend, maybe I had it during the week and went in during the weekend because I was in so much pain. And they looked at the x-ray, said, oh, you know, everything seems normal. Sent me home with maybe some medication or whatever. Um, so was that, was it frustrating for you to sort of be, I don't know if dismissed is the right word, but did it feel that way? Um, and yes, and there's, there's bigger parts of that later down the road okay. where, um, I had gone to the emergency room again oh, later and they were quite busy at that time. I was saying I have this extreme nerve pain in my leg and they're like, oh, it's sciatica, mm-hmm. you know, go home and stretch and you'll be fine in six <laughs> right, months. Stop sitting on your wallet. And yeah, 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 totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there were bigger mm. points where I got written off as well. Um, but I continued to work and I continued my health continued to decline so how how bad was the pain like what was it what was it like and was it just in your legs or did it spread to other places um legs and hips so the 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 end diagnosis is that I had a giant cell tumor of bone on my sacrum and that type of tumor turns your bone to jelly wow and when your sacrum and your pelvis is not like your pelvis is a stable circle and when that can't support your weight um, you have all kinds of problems because you have your weight from your trunk coming yeah. down and mm-hmm. the, the pressure from your legs coming up. And when that's not stable, you just uh, run into all kinds of problems. Kay. So, okay, what is the, you said sacrum? What is the sacrum? Um, it's ki- kind of like your, your tailbone's at the bottom of your sacrum. So okay. your spine comes down, you have your sacrum and your SI joints uh, connect to the ilium, which is your hip. Okay, you're definitely a scientist. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> she's using all these words. I'm going to pretend I know what she's talking about. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. So the long mm-hmm. story short is that it ended up being a seven centimeter um, tumor of my bone turning to jelly. Oh, my wow. gosh. And so to kind of get into a little bit more of detail of what was going on at that time, I was working full time. Um, as it got worse and worse, I could barely sit. Yeah, especially from where it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I could barely sit for more than five or ten minutes. I remember leaving the lab. I would go lay face down in our hallway of (laughs) the lab on this, like, cement floor. Um, I actually also found this staircase next to our our lab that, like, went up, and it had, like, a half flight up that kind of went to, like, maybe a roof entrance or something, so nobody ever went up that way. And I'd kind of, like, go up there and hide and, like, lay on the ground instead of just laying in the hallway. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is this before you? knew what was wrong it just you just knew that you were in pain yeah and uh my hair was falling out I lost a bunch of weight um my yeah so getting kind of back to the the chronological I guess progression of it um I was you know not eating I was coming home from work and I would lay face down on the floor in my living room and maybe sleep maybe fall asleep after work from like dealing with all this stress all day of trying to work and having my health deteriorate so I would maybe come home, lay on my floor, maybe sleep, maybe not, take a hot bath, like do anything to try and just, you know, have some relief and function. Yeah. Um, and I think anybody that has dealt with chronic pain, diagnosed mm-hmm. or undiagnosed, um, will understand that there's a mental strain that comes along with it mm-hmm. that is in some ways um, and I don't, I don't have the same experience as you, but I tend to suffer from migraines and the mental, the mental anguish is every bit as difficult as the physical. In some ways it's like the physical pain you can sort of deal with, but this feeling of like, if I've had a migraine that goes on for three or four days, 
I'm just exhausted. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't have the willpower or the energy to do hardly anything but just sort of stay alive. Yeah. So I think people can understand what you're saying, that it's not just about the physical, but there's like a mental burden that goes along with it that is Definitely. every bit as as debilitating. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the road kind of continued in that um, I saw a nerve conduction specialist, and they said, oh, I think your your p- problem's coming from your pelvis. Um, so then I finally had a pelvic MRI, mm-hmm. and at that point after that, they told me it was a soft tissue sarcoma. So they were telling me I had cancer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And um, – this is this sounds kind of weird, but honestly, I was so relieved. Yeah. Oh, it's like there is something. Have a diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. And I was going on for so long, not knowing, being dismissed mm. many mm-hmm. times, and you know, my doctor said like, you know, I don't want you to stay in your apartment alone tonight. Like, do you have someone you can call? I was 15 hours away from home, and I was like, why? Like, right. This is <laughs> this great. Is like, like, thank yeah. you. I'm like so happy to like <laughs> know that I wasn't crazy at that point. Uh. And so, um. Yeah, so my mom flew out right after that, as, you know, parents would. And um, they kind of said, like, we didn't realize how bad it was until uh. I saw your apartment and saw how it was just mm. kind of in shambles. Mm. And I'm, I'm tidy, I'm organized, and stay on top of things generally. So I think that was kind of the eye-opener for my parents. Yeah. of like, something's really wrong. Yeah. And I have a high pain tolerance. I've <laughs> trained as an athlete and um, – so I think that was kind of like the eye-opener oh, eye point. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, I mean, what was your, I w- we talked about it just very briefly, but like sort of like what was your mental state like in the midst of this waiting for a diagnosis and mm-hmm. sort of being dismissed from the ER? Like how, how was that for you? Um, survival, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was working. I was trying, I, and this was another, like I knew things were wrong, but I don't think I had the the advocacy for myself yes. to be like uh, this. I know something's wrong. I know my I body need you to listen I to know me. Something's yeah. Wrong. yeah. Oh. Um, but the story continues in that I was referred down to Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. And so, sorry, just backing up a little bit. My mom flew out. We took a flight from Bar Harbor to Boston, which was like the worst flight of my life because <laughs> I was, it was a little seven seat plane, oh so wow. tiny. I was like crammed in the very back and in so much pain. Oh wow. um, but we flew down there and I saw a specialist and they told me then that it was soft tissue, sar- or sorry, osteosarcoma with a soft tissue component. So now we're talking bone cancer with mm. a soft tissue component. Both of those diagnoses are, you know, very um, poor outcome. Yeah. And so um, the, the, the protocol was I got there on a Friday. I was admitted right away. They um, did a biopsy and we were trying to get my pain managed. So, so did it, it did it, it sounds like it kind of went from like zero to 60 where everybody was like, oh, we're not sure what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly they're like, holy crap. Like you're yeah. like to get on a flight, you're going into the hospital. Is that what happened? Um, yeah. And I guess it's kind of simplified a little bit because this is happening over many months. I mm. moved up to Bar Harbor in June and then my diagnosis was in October. Okay. So my health was declining over that yeah. point and then finally get the diagnosis in October. Oh, man. Um, but continuing on. Having after having the biopsy, they realized that it was this benign tumor, um, but 
it was, you know, a couple days span over the weekend. I think I, ha- I was admitted on Friday, and I think they came back and told us um, Tuesday that it was benign. Mm. But in that time, I, you know, was barely functioning. I was laying face down in the hospital, and they were having a hard time getting my pain managed. Oh, man. And my parents were there. My mom came in the room one day, and I remember this very vividly. She was like, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but like something like, are you okay or how are you? And I said, my body is failing, but my soul is okay. Mm-hmm. And just having the comfort of the Lord was so powerful in that mm-hmm. time, and I remember that yeah. very clearly. Wow. Wow. Where did that come from? Like, where did that, where did that <laughs> sort of, where did that come from? Um... I don't know. I mean, I'd, I've always, I grew up in a, a Christian family and had faith um, since I was a kid, uh, but I can't explain it. Okay. Like, it's the power of the, the, the Spirit just being with me, I think, mm-hmm. at that point and mm-hmm. protecting me and um, helping my soul be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then after that moment, how did your journey progress? Mm-hmm. Um, the plan ended up being that this type of tumor can be hardened by an osteoporosis medication. So I was getting an injection um, and that hardened the tumor. I got that injection for about six months and then the plan was to go in and operate. So they had to take out all of the jelly-like bone and reconstruct it with um, hardware and cadaver. Wow. And so that happened in March. What, what do you mean hardware? Um, like Pins plates and screws, and screws and and okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like bionic woman. Yeah, I can show you the X-ray. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that freaks some people out, but um, yeah. So had surgery in March, um, and it was a series of four surgeries. Um, four. Yeah, the first oh. one they went yeah. in and it's called an embolization. They cut off the blood supply to the tumor. And then I'm actually kind of a medical guinea pig, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. so um, the next surgery, they went in from my front, and they made they moved all of my organs out of the way. Wow. And they put, this is the, the like experimental part. They put this mesh between my organs after. So they went in, moved my organs, made the cuts in the bone from the front, and put this mesh in because when they flipped me over, they wanted to catch any like jelly-like bone that oh. could have run out with that mesh. Mm. So the, the injection hardened the bone, but if there was anything left, um, they wanted to catch it. Like a net. Yep, <laughs> like a net. Wow. And the, the thought in the field previously was that it's a benign tumor. If it spills into the body cavity, it's not a big deal because it's benign. Well, these, these people had higher recurrences mm. and they weren't as careful so the experimental thing was using this mesh to catch any jelly-like bone. And so the third operation, they, they, I was on my stomach. They went in from the back, made cuts, caught anything, and, you know, put me back together with Man, pins wow. and rods and cadaver. Oh, my goodness. So the second surgery was just to put the mesh in place. Um, th- yeah, they put the mesh in less. place and made cuts from the front. Oh, okay. Because they were cutting out the bone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they cut from the front, then went in again, cut me from the back, the bone. Um, and sewed me back up. I was in the ICU for a while, um, in between and after. And then um, a couple days after that surgery, they 
realized that my bowel was wanting to settle into the hardware and it could perforate and that's really bad. So they had to go back in the fourth time (laughs) to, um, they took the omentum flap. I guess we have like a flap in our body cavity that they just essentially like pulled down over the hardware so that the organs couldn't settle into that area. Um, man. And so that was the fourth surgery and I was in the hospital recovering for a long time. ICU, hospital, and then a rehab center all out in Boston um, for five-ish weeks I was in the hospital at that point after yeah. learning to walk, you know, learning to sit, stand, the whole ordeal. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was in 2018. Okay. And so I recovered, went home. When I was leaving Boston in April, We, my mom and I flew home. My dad, um, we had a car out there, and so my dad had driven the car back. And on our flight home, my incision in my back opened oh, about geez. an inch. And it was right above my butt crack, <laughs> essentially. Oh, and no. so that's a really hard area to heal. Yeah. And I went home and essentially laid on an air mattress in my parents' living room for six months. Oh, my gosh. Because that was the only way to actually give it enough time. Yep. To and, oh. y- you know, sitting, it would pull yeah. a little bit. Bending over pulls a little bit. So that took a long time to heal. Oh, man. They thought that maybe the um, injection kind of slows healing, so that could have played into it. But, um, yeah, that took a long time to heal. And so I couldn't do physical therapy until, I think, December of that year mm. um, at home. And so, so that that takes us to the end of 2018. Yes. Uh, is there more to that story to yep. present day? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it keeps oh, going. Okay, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> so the cadaver they used um, in rebuilding my pelvis was supposed to fuse to the you know hip bone, if you will, and that. Uh, didn't happen. I was being monitored after my surgery for you know every three months, mm-hmm. and then spacing it out, and we were realizing that the cadaver didn't fuse, and so all of the pressure from walking, standing, you know, your pelvis bearing your weight was going onto that hardware, um, loosening the screws, and oh no, um, yep, <laughs> I actually had a screw crack, <laughs> and so wow, yeah, to back up a little bit. Um, I started working again in 2019 and then was working um, at U of M by this point, and my hardware was breaking down. So the, the, the pelvis was unstable yet again. Could you tell that something was going on again? You yeah. Could tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot more pain, mm. um, nerve pain, and just from being monitored, they were, okay. they were seeing it yeah. on x-ray or, or whatnot. Um, and so I was working. They said, we're going to have to do a total rebuild oh wow (laughs) so 2020 comes around um i had a total rebuild in Mm. october and that entailed four more surgeries um they went in from the front fixed it up went in from the back fixed it up um it's all happening during covid too yeah yeah so we're in yep 2020 and then i go to the rehab center again and the incision in the back was not healing again. And so they, they put in this wound back. It's a, It essentially sucks your skin together and helps it heal. Okay. <laughs> so that was a surgery to put it in. They left that in for, I think, about a week. And then um, another surgery to take it out. 
So that was, again, four more surgeries in 2020 to wow. have a total rebuild. They used more bone, more screws. They fixed over. So this was all happening on my right side. They fixed over on the left side. They fixed my SI joint. They um, they plated my pubic symphysis together in the front uh, because my, my hip had shifted upwards. So they actually... Um, put a pin through my leg to pull my leg down and get it back all aligned <laughs> oh and uh, screwed me all back into place. <laughs> so wow. you've been cut everywhere, screwed together everywhere, yeah. <laughs> stretched yeah. and yep. Wow. And so that was the, yeah, I think that's kind of the overarching the storyline. of. So where are things currently? Yep. Um, I, uh, I'm I'm in good health. I think I surprise my doctors every time okay. I go because initially when I had the first diagnosis, they're like, you could lose your bladder function, you could use your lose your bowel function in the surgery. Um, they had to clean my nerves, so the bone was on my nerves. They were touching oh. all the nerves mm, going wow. to my right leg, um, and you know that can cause damage. Yeah. And my surgeons are just so so <laughs> amazing. That's another um, just like huge blessing. But they. Yeah, they were able to um, – I still do have nerve damage on okay. my right side mm. and my leg and foot. But um, Do you feel any pain? Um, I think I live with a baseline of pain. Okay. But um, it's – you know, I, I do take a nerve pain medication that helps mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but other than that – So throughout that whole health journey – you you said you you've you've seen and experienced God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, tell us t tell us those uh, about some of those moments. Yeah. Um, right before my first surgery back in March of 2018, uh, I was so I was living out of state, but I had my parents' health insurance, and um, it's an HMO plan, so you need prior authorization for everything. And they about a week before my surgery. Granted, this take, took a long time to get the surgery coordinated because it was so many medical teams, yeah. so much um, integration. And about a week before it, they the insurance company said, we're not covering this. Oh, jeez. And we're like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to kind of get to the point, my mom administered insurance for a doctor for my whole childhood. She worked part-time doing that. And she worked with our insurance company with reps, you know, for other patients and whatnot. So one of the cool things was that from that, she remembered the naming convention that they used in their emails, looked up the CEO's name. Oh, my gosh. Emailed the CEO <laughs> of our Straight to the top, company. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, it got pushed through. Like, wow. all of, like through the work of the, the hospital's coordinators. And I don't know if that played a part in it, but... Mm -hmm. That was a really cool piece of like seeing how God had used my mom's story of yeah. her, her work yeah. to um, be able to put her in a position to, wow. to help to me to really out. make a difference. Yeah. yeah, when you needed one. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I think another just faithfulness. I see it so much in the overarching in uh, in the day to day, but also in the overarching story. I think if I hadn't played volleyball, I wouldn't have gone out to Connecticut. If I hadn't been in Connecticut, I wouldn't have moved up to Maine. And if I wouldn't have moved up to Maine, I wouldn't have been referred to the best hospital in mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. for what I have. Mm. Uh, so that whole 
timeline just weaves yeah through right and puts it all together right sort of in hindsight you're kind of like oh my you can sort of like trace the thread of like mm-hmm. wow all of these things actually did even even in the midst of what was a difficult and horrible situation there's a thread of god's grace that you can sort of trace through yeah, yeah. And my initial plan in moving up to Maine was to work there for two years and go back to school. I knew I wanted to pursue higher education um, and a PhD specifically, but with all my health, I I couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. And now that I'm in a point that I actually um, am going to be joining a program at U of M, I can see that having those delays and like working in different labs in the meantime Mm. actually set me up to be a better candidate now mm. than I would have been then. So that's kind of another cool thing. Yeah, another thread. Ties that it yeah. yeah, into the, 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 the current. Yeah, in the midst of it, sort of feeling like, oh, my plans have been delayed or derailed. Then you look back and you're like, no, actually, that was a, that was a good thing. That was God's plan, and mm. it was wow. better than, wow. than my plan. Yeah, yeah. And it's always interesting because you could o- oftentimes only see that in retrospect. Yes. Yep. But also what all that also does is it builds confidence and faith in whatever happens in the future yeah. mm-hmm. that God's hand is in your journey too, yep. right? And, yeah. and it gives you, you know, because I think somebody could go through the exact same circumstances you have and maybe be angry at God yep. or mm-hmm. disappointed and go like, God, why did you allow why? this to happen? Right. And I, I think another uh sign of God's faithfulness, at least from my perspective on the outside, knowing that story, knowing like how, you you know, all all these parts had to be rebuilt and and your bone being jelly. Like it it is not uncommon on a Sunday when you are back in the sound booth, um, running tech and things. And I love watching Nicole (laughs) sing and worship. She is so energetic. One she, hand on the keyboard, oh one yes. hand in the air. Yeah. I mean, two hands up in the air. She's like <laughs> jumping up and down. And I'm like, dang, only if everyone would be like worshiping with such abandon like Nicole well, would. Well, yeah. I mean, it is kind of abandoned because it's like I I have ab- abandoned my sense of self in some sort. Because yeah. I, yeah. Like. Only God could, yeah. could bring me through that. Yeah. So there, w- there was a part of your story that I wanted to just ask you about because it mm-hmm. jumped out. You said essentially you laid on your stomach on a mattress for six months. Yeah. What? How do you? How do you not lose your yeah. mind? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I watched a lot of TV. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I did some like coloring and just I don't I don't even know honestly, but I um. Were you feeling discouraged or what were you, what were you going through during that time? Um, because I, you, I mean, you didn't know it was going to be six months or did you, or I mean, it could have been no. indefinite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was hopeful and uh-huh. I knew it, it was something that I would get through. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just slept a lot and <laughs> like the cat and the dog were my best friends. They yeah. like cuddled around me all the time. Um, I don't think I have anything that super sticks out from that time mm-hmm. point as being mm. like, you know, super spiritual or anything. Yeah. You, s- you strike me as a very optimistic person. Is yeah. that true in general? Yeah. Would people describe you that way? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, so I, th- I've shared on this podcast about my own son's yeah. sort of long-term health issues. And in some ways, and I feel the same way listening to you, I'm like, you know, if someone had to go through this, <laughs> for it to be someone like you or someone like my son who are sort of relentlessly optimistic, even in that, I see, I see a lining of God's grace, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, 
that you're able to sort of like just keep uh, just keep moving forward or even to say you that you felt hopeful mm-hmm. there are lots and I m- might say most people wouldn't wouldn't feel that way mm. wouldn't find themselves in that place and so again even there I see a lining of God's grace right and I think even in the optimism it's not optimism born out of naivete yeah. and inexperience yeah, it's, it's, right. it's actually the, the opposite <laughs> yeah it's actually walking through the fire yeah and there's a confidence that goes deeper and a hope and an optimism because yeah, not only just the way you're wired and your personality and outlook, but also like you were talking about your faith, you know, and, and again, that's, that's demonstrated just uh, again, when, <laughs> when I watch you like, uh, worship and, um, and I think just the undergirding of faith that you had being, being raised in a Christian home and how that has really helped you even through this time. Mm-hmm. So mm. what was your support network? What was your support network like in the midst of that? Because, I mean, I know, like, your parents were there, but you were in Maine. Like, you didn't know anybody up there, did you? Um, I had made some friends, and actually one of the nights I went to the emergency room, um, I had a friend staying the night. Mm. You know, we were just hanging out, and she she spent the night, and I was just, like, writhing in my oh. room, and she was sleeping out on the couch. I think I was just, like, <laughs> honestly crying and just... Yeah. Um, she was like, I think you need to go to the, the hospital. Mm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, wanted to put it off as long as I could um, because I'm also, like, an Enneagram, too. So, like, <laughs> not expressing my needs is, like, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, if you're telling me I should go, I should probably go. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I had good friends and um, – my parents were supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they didn't really know, I think, the depth yeah. of what mm-hmm. was going on when I was out there. But my whole, I come from a small rural town, and when all of this kind of broke, um, people were like, what can we do? What can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, just another example of that. Um, being rural people, wh- going out to Boston, we're like, oh, we need a car. Like, we need to be <laughs> able to get around. Yeah. So my uncle had driven the car out to Boston when we first got there, ended up being more of a pain than a, a good thing because there's oh, no parking right. in yeah. Boston. <laughs> and so um, one of my mom's friends from high school had a relative or someone out there who lived just outside of Boston, and we were able to park our car at his mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And that was just a huge, like, help that mm. was, you know, orchestrated through yeah. our, our community. And um, people uh, organized fundraisers and... Mm. Um, lots of support from our hometown, you know, the hometown pride thing. Did you ever find yourself sort of like asking like, why me? Was that ever a part of your conversation with God or with others? Um, probably in theory, but not, it wasn't a, a main, a main thought. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've had thoughts of like, why, why did this happen to me? But I think being able now to see from the other side that mm. so much good has been woven through. Yeah. Um, there's really, yeah. you know, not a, a big, like, existential crisis of the why me. Yeah, yeah. So what is it that you think has shaped this kind of faith in you, right? This mm-hmm. faith that is just hopeful, optimistic, and just surrendered and trusting in whatever God has you going through? Because some people would look at that and go, man, like, I want that kind of faith too. Um, I think knowing in heaven that we'll have redemption of our bodies, Mm. uh, you know, like Romans 8, 23, uh, 
just there this life is a blip and mm. when you have eternity where there's no more pain there's no more suffering um it makes it bearable here yeah, mm. yeah. that's good I think for anybody who has gone through that, you know, I, I had a young cousin who uh, was born with brain cancer and all through his young life, he, he's, he's passed now, but he, his one leg was shorter and he always limped and he would have seizures. And I remember speaking at his uh, funeral and I just said, you know, there's a, there's a young boy up there who's just like, you know, jumping up and down dancing. and dancing. Yeah. And I think that's just a, that's just a, a, a sure hope that we have as uh, believers in Christ. So I think the, the other thing, when, w- and I, I know that I've probably shared this um, on this podcast before, but the other thing that, that you mentioned that I always find so striking is that in the midst of these things, sometimes like, what we want most and what everyone was probably praying for you was like healing. Like we want her to be better. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that doesn't always happen, but that doesn't mean that God isn't at work. It doesn't mean that he's not demonstrating himself to be faithful and all the sort of, I don't, I, I I hesitate to even call them peripheral, but in some ways they feel like the peripheries of the situation, like Mm -hmm. your, all the things that you described from friends to, uh, you know, all these circumstances that sort of lined up. Right. Um, and I just think that's helpful mm-hmm. to, to remember. I can get so stuck being like, this is what I like, God, why this aren't you doing? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we can end up taking our eyes off of what God is actually yeah. doing around us. Yeah. And in and us. I always think about kind of the waves that go out from yeah. my story and how hopefully I was able to, show to someone somewhere a nurse whatever like there's something greater than what we're going through right now Mm -hmm. and just you know hopefully you know just trusting that the spirit will use that yeah whatever he yep and understanding that in many ways that like that's how god works you know our last episode we were talking to my mom and her story of coming to faith again there's like these ripples where you see it impacted my dad and impacted us kids and our grandkids Mm -hmm. you know um, so to just be aware that that is how God is working mm-hmm. um, really changes our perspective in the yeah. midst of, of difficulty. Yeah, and we were talking even after we um, uh, w- w- spoke with your mom, uh, we were debriefing and we were just talking about how so many times people think, especially in a city like Ann Arbor, where like they're going to get peace from career you know yeah. a sense of security there and str- you know strength and, and actually stories like this I love stories like this because it's like actually kind of like echoing what Paul says you boast in your weakness yeah. you boast in your limitations you, you're not in your achievements or, or your your courage but just really coming to a place of full surrender that that's where you boast in because that's when God does his work in and through you yeah and I think that's a big thing that kind of happened in my life as I I have been a high achiever and you know want to be the best in everything whether it's school volleyball all of that and I think having my plans just completely <laughs> flipped upside down yeah. has shown me that that's actually not secure. Uh, yeah. Putting your trust in that or putting your um, comfort in that, it is not secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y- nothing is guaranteed on that front. Yep. Mm. Wow, wow, that's a great story. 
I mean, well, not it's a it's on <laughs> <laughs> this end of it. Exactly. It's one of those things. I have to be careful how I say this, right? No, it uh, it's a profound story. No, it's it's a, it's a resurrection story. Yeah. Of lives being kind of brought out of the ashes of suffering and pain. Yeah. And uh, you're 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 a living testimony of that of God's mm-hmm. faithfulness. So thank you so much for being with us, uh, Nicole. It was so great to hear more about your story and really coming to a deeper understanding of how God is working in and through your life. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you could be here. Hope you will join us again for our next episode as we continue season five of Rhythms of Grace.